What's going on, boys and girls, and welcome back to another episode of Eating Shit. Uh, today, I wanted to hop on here quickly and talk a little bit about um, progress. So, as corny as it sounds, the saying 1% better every day is totally true. Um, the thing with that is that sometimes it feels like you're making no progress at all. So, in a nutshell, Slow progress is much better than no progress, but going through the slow progress is sometimes very painful because it feels like you're not doing shit. So Wes, uh, my business partner, we talk about this all the time um, because, you know, how, how I phrase it, it's like we're, we're kind of like stuck in a time warp. Um, you know, when, when you're in the day-to-day of your business or whatever you have going on, it's very hard to look up and actually look backwards and see kind of like how far you've come. And when you do that, you can kind of recognize it. But even if you do do that, you're just in it so much and so deep that it, it feels like there's really no progress happening whatsoever. So it is like this time warp that feels like you've been, you've been here and you've been doing this for so long and you, you're, you've made no progress at all when you know, you kind of zoom out, you can look back at only a couple of years ago or even a year ago and be like, damn, we've done some shit in the last year, uh, last two years, three years, whatever. So, you know, I'm five and a half years into business. So I guess six, um, started trying to wholesale about six years ago and I partnered up with Wes, uh, four and a half years ago when we started flipping. Um, and like in the grand scheme of things, that's not very long at all. Um, even the full six years or whatever. And you know, it's, it's always misleading when you see people online and you play the comparison game and like, Oh, they do things so fast, but you never really see like the whole entire story or the whole entire timeline. And even if you do, it's really like, what, what is their whole timeline? Like seemingly some of these people, depending on your skill set, skill sets, like the main thing. Um, because once you have a better skill set, you can shrink your own timelines. Like business number two is going to be way fucking faster than business number one. And even business number one, as you progress, it's kind of like an exponential growth curve or whatnot. You know, when you go through the first like four years, it's pretty flat. And then all of a sudden you can start to kind of climb that curve, get like the bottom of the hockey stick right there. And you do that because of skill set. So like with you know, education and stuff like that. I'm all for now. I'm all for like paying for good education. Um, it's just hard to, it's kind of hard to stomach that at the beginning because it's like a catch 22, like the people that need education the most because of the least amount of skill set are like the least likely to pay for it. Um, looking back now, if we would have got the education on day one, we would be years ahead of where we're at right now. Um, And then it's funny, like you see all the super successful people or the rich people, they're always talking about like, you know, they have a mentor for this, they have a mentor for this. And, you know, if you're not there, you're kind of like, well, why the fuck does that guy need a mentor? Like he already knows what he's doing, but they understand that like you pay for the education and the knowledge and the experience that someone else has. And you can really get the fast forward button. Um, So even with that now, um, it still feels like, you know, when you're, when you're in the day to day, you're getting absolutely nowhere, making no progress whatsoever. Um, and 
I started thinking about this and thought it'd be good to talk about on the show uh, because of a couple of things that happened like last week. Um, and specifically, so when was this? This was like Saturday. Why are we here? Oh, no, it was Friday uh, because Thanksgiving was last week. So um, I was the only one here on Friday. And then Wes came in Friday afternoon so we could do our like weekly leadership meeting. Um, so no one else was in the office. And when we came in, there was a couple of new leads that, you know, came in Friday morning or whatnot. I didn't even notice. He noticed it. And then he was like, hey, before we start, like, um, I got a couple things to do. Can you, um, you know, try to set an appointment on these leads? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm rusty as fuck because I haven't been on the phones forever. Um, and, you know, so I, I pull up the script that we have that we, you know, make our guys follow for qualifying the leads because I need it. You know, it's like I wrote the script, but also I don't do it every day. So I still need to like reference it and follow it. Whereas like for the dispo stuff, because I do that every day, um, I don't need the script at all. You know, I'd have the same conversations over and over and over again. So I pulled the script. I go through, um, these two leads. First one disqualified. Second one qualified the lead, got the condition information, set the appointment. And I felt absolutely horrible. Like rusty. I was just like, God damn, I hope no one pulls the recording of that call because <laughs> it doesn't, it's not very good. And then like, you know, as soon as I hang up the phone, t put my notes in the CRM and stuff. And, you know, Wes walks over cause he was down the hall and he was listening and he was like, dude, we're so much better than we used to be so much better at sales. I was like, what do you mean? He was like that call, like so much better than how we used to do it. And I was just thinking like how bad it was. Um, and that's one of those things that like, he took a step back, zoomed out and was like, yeah, maybe he did think I was rusty. Maybe not, but it doesn't matter. Like me rusty right now is way, way, way fucking better than how we used to be on the phones when we had like no experience, no skill set, no sales process, no real scripts to follow or anything like that. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, you, those are the type of things when you get that when you have those type of experiences that you can really step back and be like, oh yeah, kind of know what we're doing now. And then, you know, in another three years from now, it'll be like, look back at today. That's why I want to do this podcast just to document everything and be like, oh yeah, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing back then, but now we do. And it's just like always progressing, progressing, progressing. Um, and then even, you know, I was thinking about this even further, like tonight, you know, I run a meetup here in Reno once a month just for investors. And, um, I've been doing that for like four and a half years too, or maybe, maybe even longer than that. I think I was doing that before I even partnered with Wes and, uh, probably almost five years now when I started that. And so I've been doing this series, um, shout out to this dude, Brendan, cause he gave me the idea for the series. I'm always like not struggling to come up with topics, but you know, I can only, my topics are only so broad cause I don't want to teach about shit that I don't really know. Like I could, you know, somewhat explain, apartment syndication. Like I get it. I understand it, but like, I don't want to teach on it. I'd rather just teach the shit that I know in and out, which is like the direct seller wholesaling and flipping business. And that's it. And, um, you know, since I'm doing it every month, I'm like, fuck, I've already talked about this like three times. Fuck. I've already talked about this, but you know, different people come every month and I have different input because I'm progressing as well. So I could teach, you know, the same exact topics, probably every month, just about or every other month and have new information to give people. Um, I don't know why, but I just reached out to him because he always comes. That's why. 
Um, I was like, Hey, what do you think I should do for the meetup? And he was like, Oh, it'd be sick if you did like a more in depth series on, you know, this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, cool. So I've been doing like a three part series. And so month one, I did like marketing is basically, basically like the acquisition process, like from lead to contract or even before lead, how do you even get leads to signed purchase agreement with the seller? Um, so, you know, month one, I did marketing. I just covered that for the whole, um, meetup. Cause usually how, how I do the meetups, like one month I'll do a topic. The next month I'll do like a deal deep dive, which I think is really valuable for people because it's one thing to hear it on like a podcast that, you know, is from who, who knows who, um, you know, on bigger pockets or whatever. And, you know, people can it tell you exactly how to do the deal, but it's not really like super relatable. It's way, way, way more valuable. Um, when it's from someone that you like, there they are, they're right in front of you, even if you don't know them. And we're talking about a deal that we did in our backyard. It's not like, oh, I wholesaled this deal in St. Louis, or like I did a burst strategy on something in Birmingham, Alabama. It's like, cool, it's valuable, like I get it. But at the same time, if you have someone that's like, here's a deal that we closed in Sparks, and this is exactly how we did it. And this is how we found the deal. And this is how the appointment went. And this is how we funded the deal. And this is how the rehab went and all this other stuff. It's way more valuable. And I think that would, um, it's like more likely for people to actually act on the information and be like, oh shit, like I can do this too. No problem. Um, so I like doing that, but he brought up a good point. And I've, I've known this before that like, when I do that, it's just a lot of info being dumped. Cause I'm trying to cover like front to back the whole process and details. So I'm not trying to like hold anything get back or like gatekeep. And it's just, there's just not enough time to dive into the whole deal. Like it would take six hours if you did that. Um, so he was like, you know, go deeper on topics pretty much. So I'm like, okay, cool. So month one marketing and then month two and three, um, did acquisitions split into two parts. So last month was, uh, qualifying leads and underwriting, you know, you get the leads through the system, you qualify them or disqualify them. If they're qualified, you set the appointment with the seller and then you underwrite the deal, you know, run your numbers and see what, what we can offer them. And then tonight is going to be the appointment and getting the purchase agreement. So, um, kind of like a comprehensive series front to back. And, um, you know, when I was getting ready for tonight's meetup, now we're on month three. So I've already done the two doing like appointments tonight and a little bit on contracts, not all that much for that. And even just the appointment, I'm like, dude, I can't even fit everything in here. Um, you know, it takes me an hour and a half to go through this. And I'm like, feel like I'm scratching the surface on it. And I'm really giving like, almost like the cliff notes on the appointment. Like it's going to be super valuable because it's like, this is how you do it. These are the steps. And then like details on the steps, but it's still not like everything I know about appointments. And that's because of, you know, when you're taking an appointment with seller, it's uh, it's the sales process. So there's like, it's not just appointment, it's like sales in general. So there's like hours and hours and hours of things to talk about that and scripting and objection handlers and say this, say this, say this, or look for this, you know, even just touring the property. It's like, I can't possibly freaking go through everything in an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. So I'm like giving a good overview, but at the same time, I'm like, God damn, I know like way more or like, I could do this. I could do this. I could say this and it's just not possible, but that's, another thing back to like the slow progress 
I was thinking about that when I was making the PowerPoint for tonight. And I was just like, God, damn. Like, even giving the Cliff Notes version, like, I wish I would have known all this shit five years ago because it wasn't, you know, more than two, three years ago when we even started doing half of this stuff. And, like, just the Cliff Notes version is, if I knew that, I would have been so much better on appointments than I was for so long. And that's one of those things that's, like, to me, when I, like, I feel exactly the same right now as I did, like, five years ago, six years ago, four years ago. Um, but then when you actually look at the details and the facts, it's it's not that. Like, it's way different. The way that we do business is way different. Our skill set is way different. Um, but you, I've been caught in the day-to-day for so long, it feels like I haven't made any progress at all. So it's good to uh, kind of take a step back and, and look backwards. I think I've talked about that on here before. There's a, book, a good book called uh, The Gap and the Gain that talks about that because a lot of like uh, – I guess like high achievers or like driven people have a big problem with that where they're always focused on the gap, like what's ahead of them, like basically from where they're at right now to where they want to be or where they perceive that that like end goal is, which it just keeps moving. So you're always in the gap, like there's no way around it. Um, And then also the gain, which is looking backwards, you know, from where you're at right now to where you started. And uh, it's just about like, you know, taking time kind of similar to what I'm talking about here um, just to look back and, and see kind of how far you've come. And that's not to say like, it drives me up a wall to see like the extreme of that, that most people do where they like want to celebrate something and like they haven't really done anything or I don't know. It's just like the extreme version of the extreme is just people that live for the weekend and they're like always celebrating. <laughs> it's like, for what? You fucking showed up at work another five days? Like there's nothing nothing to celebrate. Um, but the other extreme is, you know, people like me that never celebrate anything and you're always just like, ah, how far? I'm so far away from my goal. I'm so far away from my goal. But that's the problem. And that's the whole premise of the book is that that goal keeps moving farther and farther away from you. You never, there is no end goal. There is no destination, arrival, whatever you want to call it. It's just like, you just have to recognize that and keep looking backwards momentarily. That's why I started saying this, you know, with like, you cannot, you cannot look backwards and be like, Oh, I got all this shit to celebrate now. Like take the foot off the gas. It's just like, take a moment, look back, be like, yeah, that was cool. Good. Celebrate. Woo. All right. Next thing. And it just helps like your overall, I don't know. I don't want to use the word mental health, but I guess that's kind of what it is for, uh, for us type peeps. Um, Issues this week, um, biggest issue that we're having right now that I'm having is like improving our disposition offer process. Um, so when we wholesale the deal, I might just talk this through right now. I thought about it a little bit yesterday because we had a complaint from one of our buyers and I don't think she's wrong. I think she's right actually. Well, somewhat, somewhat. Um, but, you know, when we wholesale a deal, we – you know, basically assign the contract to another buyer. The problem with this is that like now you're at, you're an adverse party against the buyers. And in Dispo, you know, it's like a relationship-based position. You have to be everyone's best friend and you are everyone's best friend because like you're the plug that has off-market deals. Like that's what we're good at doing is getting off-market deals and um, deals that are actually deals because we know our numbers. And 
So you're everyone's best friend. But then like when you're selling them a deal, it's like, we want the most amount of money for it and they want to pay the least amount of money for it. Of course. Um, which is fine, but the problem, and I don't know how to, I, I still don't know like how to go about this or if there is, I think no matter what we decide to do, there's always going to be people that are mad that lose on the deal. That's the main issue. Um, but the process, the way that we do it right now is that like when we do wholesale and we, you know, get offers from different buyers, we don't go back and forth. We just say, submit your highest and best. We pick the highest offer. We move on. And the reason why I do it that way is because, and that really is not in our best interest because we, if we did go back and forth, we could definitely get more on each deal. Um, you know, two grand, three grand, whatever, but over 80 or a hundred deals, like that's a lot of money. Um, talking myself into going back to that right now, but, um, the reason why we do that is because earlier in the year, uh, I didn't really have any type of process for getting offers. I'm just like calling people, Hey, what's your offer? What's your offer? And it was just like, I had an offer at the asking price on this deal. I think it was 235 for this thing. And, you know, I call, I had two more buyers to follow up with that were both solid. And, you know, I call one and he's like, well, you know, what's the highest offer? And you don't want to lie to him. Um, so I'm like, well, I have a, you know, I want it 235. He's like, okay, cool. Well, uh, put me down for 236. Let's do it. I was like, all right. Um, I got to call this guy back, this other guy. I told him that. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And, but for some reason he took that as like, you know, it's his. So I call the other, the next guy, same exact conversation. I'm like, Hey, well, I have a 235 and a 236. He's like, so 237 takes it. I'm like, I guess he's like, all right, we'll do it. Like, okay, cool. So I assigned it to him. And then of course the other guy is mad at me because he feels like he got screwed out of the deal for a thousand bucks and he did. But at the same time, it's like, well, that was you guys doing that to yourselves. Like <laughs> I didn't ask for, you know, I could have gone back to him and be like, oh dude, we got a 237. Can you do 237.5? And then, oh, we got 237.5. Can you do 237.8? And like really done that. But that's not what I was doing at all but he still got mad and rightfully so like he thought it was his deal. So it's like, okay, well that's not going to work because we need good relationships with all the buyers. So that's when we change it to submit your highest and best. We're not going back and forth. We're not doing bidding wards. That's it. The problem with that is that no one fucking does that because why would they? And I understand it. I've been on the other end of it. Um, you know, they don't want to pay more for a deal than they have to. So if they're going to submit their highest and best, they want to know where everyone else is at. So inevitably, when you follow up with the buyers, even though they know that that's a process, what's the first thing that they say? Where do I need to be to win it? And it's like, submit your highest and best. And you can't really, it just puts you in a weird spot as the dispo person. Um, and so like, that's a problem. And I've been thinking through like that issue. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is yet. So if anyone has any input on that, let me know. Um, but yeah, more so, you know, I've been doing a shitty job of like letting people know that they didn't win. Um, and that was more of her, the core of her complaint. And then she started talking about more and more and more things that were, you know, somewhat valid or, or, or not. And, but it just got me thinking about the whole process. I'm like, okay, the access part of the process is fine, but from offers to, um, 
the assignment to getting buyer EMD and simultaneously telling everyone else that it has been assigned or it's pending assignment, there's a lot of room for improvement in all of those. So that's kind of a, I'll take that if that's our issue for this week. Um, improving the process is always a good thing. So um, that's all you can do. It goes good with uh, today's topic of a little bit of progress here and there. Um, and then wins this week. Um, had an unexpected contract on Sunday, which was awesome because um, just goes to show you, I think I talked about that on here when I was talking about qualifying leads, um, how we qualify leads at the company using uh, urgency, motivation, and ballpark price. And I think I mentioned that we don't really qualify all of that heavily off of price um, because we have many, many examples of people tell you one price and then they end up accepting a lot less. And this was one of those, another one of those situations where the price that they gave us you know, it was like, it seemed okay. It was a moved manufactured. And you guys that know anything about manufactured homes, they're uh, pretty nuanced. And if it's been moved uh, more than, you know, they go, they come from the factory and then they get put on their, their, their home. And if they get moved from that site to another site, um, they become like not financeable as far as like FHA financing and stuff like that. So um doesn't mean it's not a deal. It just means that the the ARV, the after repair value of the home is a lot less than one that has not been moved um, because you're kind of shrinking the buyer pool um, and you're taking out any FHA buyers, which a lot of manufactured homes are FHA buyers. Um, so typically they trade for like, you know, 10, 15% less on average than an exact comparable that has, has not been moved before. Um, I say that because, you know, the price that they gave us over the phone, um, qualified, you know, pretty much because we only really qualify, like if they want ARV or less, like that's qualified lead for us. We don't do too heavily. We're just trying to get rid of the people that are like, yeah, for 600,000, I'll sell. And they know that the house is only worth, you know, 400 or whatever. Um, that's the only time we really disqualify off a price, but even the price that they gave us, um, was full ARV. We didn't really know that, you know, when you're on the phone because you don't know that it's been moved unless they tell you until, you know, it goes to underwriting and this and that. But either way, like the price that they gave us was very high, like way, way, way more than we could pay. And because of that, there was just like, you know, limiting belief that like, oh, we're not going to get this one. Like the price expectations are way off. And then, you know, Kyle goes out there. He calls me on the way when he's going on Sunday. It's like, yeah, I'm going out out there. But this like all right cool didn't hear anything from him and then we're sitting here monday morning he comes in he's getting ready for the meeting and then gong i was like looked around i was like you got that yesterday he's like yep it's like damn that's awesome um done that not a million times i wish but many many times where you know you can't let your beliefs hold you back from things like that you know you never know you have to treat everyone exactly the same if it's a good fit it's a good fit you can still make it work um, and then because of that, we also hit our projected profit goal for the month of November, which I think is for the first time ever. Cause it's set, you know, pretty aggressively. I always set it like where we, I know that we can hit it, but shit happens and we're always trying to get better. And, um, we've never hit it. We've come close a few times, but we, with that deal, um, we went over, uh, just barely by like two grand for, for our projected profit goal for the month. So, um, definitely something to celebrate there. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, thanks for watching if you're on YouTube or listening, if you're on podcast apps, and we will see you on the next episode.